I'm Mark Pender for Econoday with Mark Rogers, Senior Economist for Econoday. Mark, let's start by quickly recapping this past week's highlights. We had numbers on key sectors, housing, manufacturing, and the consumer. Mark, start off with housing starts. Uh, we did have a big week last week. Uh, housing starts, uh, the, the housing sector has been wavering. And we saw that with a decline in housing starts in December. But it did follow a surge in November, uh, so we can't just immediately describe December as a disaster uh, because November was actually so good. Uh, we had a 9.8% drop after a 23.1% spike in November. So you, know, you do the averaging thing and it looks okay. Plus, we may have had a little bit of impact from adverse winter weather in December. And permits. Uh, uh, permits, uh, they decreased 3% to following a 2.1% dip in November. What are, what are they saying? I mean, they sh are showing much less volatility than the, than the starts. That's right. They're up 4.6% on the year. So we're seeing gradual improvement. We may be seeing some leveling off. Permits are not as much affected by weather as starts because you know, with starts, you know, if it's cold or wet, uh, that cuts back on you know, what the bulldozers can do. But uh, permits, you're just going into a government office. Uh, so we're starting to see a little leveling off in permits. Uh, so the housing sector may not be quite as strong as it has been. Okay, now let's turn to manufacturing. Uh, the, the manufacturing sector does appear to be gaining some minimum, momentum. Industrial production in December uh, posted a healthy gain. Uh, we had a 0.3% rise after a 1% surge in November. Uh, so, uh, if you look at the components, it wasn't, uh, you know, you always have to w wonder whether it's utilities related. Uh, the manufacturing subcomponent is the one you really want to focus on every month. And manufacturing was actually better than the total. Manufacturing posted a 0.4% increase after a 0.6% jump the month before. So manufacturing is it's actually making a comeback. Well, it doesn't look like consumer uh, confidence is making much of a comeback so far this year. We had uh, a couple of uh, data uh, last week. Uh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, that, that's quite a curiosity. Uh, we're, we're seeing some slippage in consumer confidence, but the December retail sales numbers looked uh, quite good. And what does that mean now for uh, uh, the consumer uh, spending? It's interesting that we had such uh, a strong uh, retail uh, sales uh, for December, but that's not all of uh, consumer spending. And uh, what does it say now for the start of the year? 
that's really the big question. We had a very strong fourth quarter. I, I think most economists are looking for a very healthy GDP growth number for the fourth quarter. It, it could even be 4%. Of course, for a typical recovery, 4% is not dramatic, but for this recovery, it would be. Uh, so we could actually see something in the neighborhood of 4% for the fourth quarter. But then the question is, uh, what's the momentum going forward? And uh, it looks like it not, might uh, be losing a tiny bit of momentum. We have a pretty light week this week for uh, economic data with thir with the, what we do have clumped in on Thursday. Uh, we have a... Well, how do you see jobless claims now? They've been uh, hard, very, very hard to read, and they really haven't been showing much uh, improvement, uh, even though now we're coming out of a period where we'll, we'll be able to get some clean reports that aren't uh, distorted by seasonal adjustments or holidays. Uh, right. This time of year is not just uh, the job picture, but housing, uh, the seasonal factors are very difficult to interpret, to, to apply. So uh, this is the time of year when there's increased uncertainty about the data and uh, the labor market uh, is showing some very, very modest improvement in terms of uh, coming down on initial claims. Uh, the unemployment rate, which fell from 7% to 6.7 percent. Uh, I think there's a, a unanimous uh, decision that that was a statistical quirk. Uh, so we really can't uh, rely on a 6.7 percent unemployment rate to to really say what the economy is doing, especially when payroll jobs are so sluggish. And I, I really think the Fed has written off the 6.7% number in terms of um, how fast taper is going to take place. And let's just go on with the FOMC. We have uh, the next meeting is going to be January 28 and 29. What do you see the FOMC doing, Mark? There's going to be a lot of discussion. All right, number one, uh, you know, just to get it out of the way. It looks like uh, Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke is, well, <laughs> he's winding up his Fed career and you know, my personal opinion is he rose to the occasion during the financial crisis and Janet, Janet Yellen has been confirmed as the next Fed chief. I don't think there's going to be much difference in uh, approach to policy. Um, probably the biggest issue is uh, Janet Yellen uh, learning to, to speak to the press. Um, communications. That's probably the biggest issue. I, I don't think actual policy will be very different. Well, she seemed pretty strong in her uh, Senate uh, uh, committee uh, uh, hearing last, last month. What, what did you think, Mark? I, I think she did a good job, uh, but uh, <laughs> when you walk out of an FOMC meeting and you've got uh, questions coming right and left, 
Uh, I, I think she will rise to the occasion, uh, but it may, it may simply be an issue of uh, recognition of her, her personal style versus Ben Bernanke's personal style. Well, outside their, their personal style, both uh, Yellen and Bernanke have uh, similar views on monetary policy. That is, QE is still having favorable impact on the economy through lower long-term rates and the shift in risk preferences. But the balance is tilted slightly. I, what do you think, Mark, toward uh, tapering at a slow pace? What I really think is the, the Fed debate... All right, I, I, I'm going to back up. <laughs> I think the decision has been made within the FOMC that taper needs to occur. The question is, at what pace and to what degree does the Fed communicate what's happening? I, th I think that uh, the Fed clearly wants to go ahead and start tapering, well it has started tapering, and continue it at a modest pace. I think the real issue over the next year is communications regarding taper and markets may actually prefer having a scheduled taper each FOMC meeting as opposed to the the Fed saying that taper is data dependent. Data will, they, dep will, they, will they nail them down to themselves to, to, uh, to a schedule? Well, data dependency means that you really don't know. If you're a trader in the market, uh, you really don't know what the Fed is going to do because it's going to depend on the data. And in one way, that makes sense, but it increases uncertainty. I think for taper, I think there is a valid argument that the Fed should announce a schedule of taper and you know, that still leaves the issue of unwinding. There is a difference that, that some have forgotten. Taper is simply lowering the pace of increasing Fed assets. Even under taper, the Fed is still boosting its balance sheet. So then after taper ends, that is when there are no further additional purchases of assets, there's still the issue of unwinding and then the issue along with that of when interest rates should rise. So the Fed still has a lot of questions to answer, a lot of guidance to provide and for taper I think an easy decision would be to announce a, a, a schedule of taper amounts. Well, uh, speaking of uh, unwinding, uh, the, uh, the Fed has been quietly preparing uh, for unwinding its balance sheet with reverse repos. Mark, go ahead. Tell us about reverse repos. Well, basically the issue is uh, the Fed needs to control excess reserves. And currently the Fed has authority to pay interest on excess reserves to banks. However, uh, there are other uh, financial institutions that affect the financial markets, in particular uh, short-term interest rates, and that includes Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which by law are, are not allowed to receive interest on excess reserves. So uh, the Fed has basically been practicing. It's, it's going to be a little while before they actually 
seriously use it, but there's going to be a reverse repo facility and basically the Fed would be uh, taking excess reserves out of the financial market with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and uh, vary the, the repo rate and uh, basically if the repo rate is is higher uh, than other market rates then there's no incentive for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to to, to lend within the system uh, so that's one way the Fed plans to pull money out of the loanable funds market is with reverse repos and they'll raise the repo rate as needed to rise in tandem with interest paid on excess reserves. They have to do both otherwise there's leakage and they don't control the interest rate. Thank you very much as always Mark Rogers for Econoday. I'm Mark Pender for Econoday.